Well, look at this guy so tan and healthy. <laughs> Just a good golf game. I think he's the luckiest guy here. Don't you think so, Joe? Yeah. Sure. Well, tomorrow you'll be the luckiest guy. I hope so. So, I thought I'd pick you up about 5.30. <laughs> I know, you'd rather make it 4.30. You like to be there to hear the horn go off. I gotta tell you, Joe, I got a really good feeling about this hunt. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And um, I hope everybody uh, got their their wish puppets uh, and their Uncle Devil Science Lab experiments and made their wishes and whatever. That was a crazy, crazy episode. But thanks to Leanne from Skewed Universe for coming on. That was a lot of fun. It was a really fun conversation. Yeah, I was really excited to have her on. She Her input towards uh, the episode and all that was really, really cool. Um, it was a, a real pleasure, and I, I hope that she comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we wish enough, maybe. Uh, um, so uh, it's funny because she made the comment. She's like, we turned six minutes into 70. I would be like, well, I... I think that should be my business card. That's that whatever I do, like, like, Oh, this doesn't take long. I will, I'll make it take as long as it needs to. But yeah. Uh, thanks to her for coming on. Uh, welcome to strange highways, the show in which we watch the twilight zone and other anthology, um, uh, stories. Uh, we've been watching the twilight zone, um, episode by episode chronologically. We've covered the original series. Go back and check that out. We've covered the Paramount plus two seasons and, and now we're into, uh, the eighties iteration of the twilight zone. And it is, um, it's, it's been full of peaks and valleys and it's been weird. Uh, we just did the six minute middle segment of, uh, episode 10, uh, the uncle devil show. And so now like, so for not that we, not that we uh, rate each episode in full, like against others or like what segment comes before the other. However, considering that for episode 10, uh, we've had the shadow man, the uncle devil show. And now we're getting into uh, uh, episode, a 10 segment C called opening day. Uh, this is, this is a weird hour of television. And um, I don't know if we're going to turn uh, six minutes or 24 minutes into 70, We'll see. I, it's weird to me that the Uncle Devil show had a lot more to talk about than maybe what this one does. Maybe I'm tipping my hand a little too much here. But I, I, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation, but uh, I agree with you that uh, maybe sometimes less is better. So. Yeah, sometimes dead is better. And maybe anyway. So, all right. So let's get into into this. Like I said, opening day, uh, season one, episode 10, segment C. Uh, who did what here, Terry? All right, so to lead us off here, uh, we have our director as uh, John Millis. Uh, he, he uh, I think a lot of people would know this gentleman from doing Conan the Barbarian and uh, Red Dawn. He also did the screenplays for those and then uh, did the screenplays for uh, Dirty, uh, Dirty Harry. And Magnum Force as well. Yeah, so he's an interesting person, which I know. I think there's been a documentary made about him because you think about like there was this up and coming like um, in like the 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 mid seventies. Like there's a lot of like cinema was changing, right? And so his name had been mentioned in a 1968 Time Magazine article about the new generation of Hollywood filmmakers, including George Lucas and Martin Scorsese. Um, so he was put in like with rare company, right? So this article was read by a gentleman named Mike Metavoy, who became Millis's agent and Millis called, sorry, Metavoy called Millis a bad boy, mad genius in a teenager's body, but he was good. Uh, he was a good and fast writer with original ideas. So he, he one of his first big, big, uh, hits, uh, in Hollywood, he, he's, he wrote, um, the screenplay for Jeremiah Johnson, 
which is a Robert Redford. Um, it's, it's a Western in the sense that it's set in like the Western time and, you know, he's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you've seen the meme of the, the, um, the guy, the bearded guy nodding. You've seen the, where it pushes in and he just kind of nods. That's yeah, from, yeah, yeah. That's from Jeremiah Johnson. It looks Robert Redford looks like he's the size of four Robert Redfords in that. I don't know why because of the beard, but it's like I didn't realize that was someone to watch the movie. I'm like, oh shit, it's Jeremiah Johnson. That's the gif, right? So that's where this came from. That's, Jeremiah, that's Robert Redford. Yeah, right, right. It looks like um, wow, he ate a, a, a bearford. I don't know, but um, but no, he he's not like he's not like this big rotund man in the movie. It's just the, just that this that one shot looks like. He looks like John Candy with a beard. I don't know why that is, but um, but yeah, that's Robert Redford. Uh, believe it or not, um, Canadian bacon. Like, uh, yeah, fucking- He's, he was he was getting uh, larded up for the winter. Is what was going on there? You know, you got to survive those winter months. But no, Jeremiah Johnson's a really good movie, and uh, and Millis wrote that. So um, he. Um, he wrote that like real, real fast. Cause he was a really fast writer, but he was like, that became the breaking point where he almost overnight, he'd become a good writer with a voice, his own words. So then he wrote dirty Harry. Um, and so that, that was a hit. And then he like, he was actually brought in to rewrite it. But one of his uh, provisos was that he was given a really expensive gun to do so. So I thought you'd appreciate that. Mm. Um, <laughs> that he's like, I'll do a rewrite. Give me a gun. Well, that tracks with dirty Harry. So there we go. So, and then he wrote um, Magnum Force, which got changed a great deal. He doesn't like what actually happened, but the film became a hit and he got paid a lot. And then uh, he actually wrote and directed the film The Wind of the Lion from 75, uh, which has Sean Connery and Candace Bergen. Uh, I've not seen this. I've heard good things about it. He said later on that that was his first quote unquote real movie. And so then hmm. Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, made an offer uh, of $15,000 for him to write Apocalypse Now. So there was competing things going on. He was like, I'll give you 15000 to write Apocalypse Now. So he wrote the original like drafts or so, but he wasn't, he, he wasn't around for the final project. But the fact that he got tapped to write that, big deal, right? And then you mentioned also Conan the Barbarian and Red Dawn. So he's a guy that's had a very interesting career. But in terms of being like of this like, up and coming generation. Not that I'm saying he didn't have impact because he did. It's just that he's kind of this one that's kind of like, I'm not saying fall into the wayside, but his, his career took it. Like it didn't, it didn't take the same, um, like, like rocket strapped trajectory of like George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola. So he's, he's an interesting character in terms of where he was in his output. Yeah, that's a, that's a very true, uh, especially because he had, real big hits here yeah and like to have that momentum kind of fall and sputter out like that's really strange to me well and also uh, I mean, you get like, the vibe that he's a little um uh you know uh king tankerous like a little bit like difficult but i mean whatever like it's hollywood i mean generally if someone's being difficult if they still produce and have hits people can will put up with a lot of idiosyncrasies you know but i think he just kind of wanted to do his own thing and chart his own path and that you know, whether he may have had commercial success, I don't know how that equates to his own personal success, but you know, he, he did what he did, you know? So like, but just interesting person. I didn't expect to see his name show up here directing a segment of the twilight zone. Like when I found that I'm like, Oh, it's this guy. So there we go. Yeah. So, and then next here, um, familiar names that we've covered in the past. Our writers are a writing duel, um, uh, Garrett Graham and Chris Hubble which we had talked about more recently during children's zoo. Yeah. And this is the the last time we'll have the writing credits. I don't know if we mentioned this before, but Garrett Graham will actually act in a segment uh, later on of the twilight zone that he did not write probably for the best. Uh, but yeah, there we go. Um, hmm. <laughs> sorry, that's my feelings, but yeah, these two, uh, yeah, this is it. This is their only output and, um, judged on that. Um, I think we're, I think we're okay to that, that we're not seeing more from them. Just, Spoiler. I think we're good. Yeah, Garrett Graham. Garrett Graham, as far as I'm considered, uh, at least for the credits that I know of, uh, I think he was a little bit better of an actor than he was a writer. So, And if he had anything to do with this music, because I know that he also contributed to some of the music writing, you asshole. (laughs) Because this this music sucks. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's funny. I'll, I'll I love shoot it. The alarm has not sounded in the morning, Terry. You're already taking shots at everything going on around you. I get it. 
Like you're, you're not waiting for somebody to say it's legal to start shooting. You're just, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not waiting for the horn. Like I, I'm taking those shots now. Dude. Yeah. Like music yeah, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And, and I'm not blaming. I just, this is, this has been like a culminative effect, right. Of us watching the Alice Twilight Zone where it's like, Oh man, did they not understand how music works then? Like, like, like just, was there just a bit where it's like, yeah, let's just, let's just make music as bad as possible. Cause that's what we like now. I don't understand any of this. I really, really don't like, it's just so weird and not great. I don't understand how we go from, I know there's a lot of stock music in like the, the original twilight zone, but there's a lot of original compositions too, where it's like, you know, you can just go back to like regular orchestral stuff. That's fine. No, that doesn't like that. That's kind of ageless, you know, like real instruments doing real things. I don't need this, um, after school special bullshit going on. This is the, you're going to hear some, if people have not seen this segment, which again, I, I'm, I'm fast realizing, and we talk about the accessibility of this series, how it's not available for streaming. However, every single time I go to like, um, use a search engine that rhymes with Google to try to find uh, these segments, they're available because like no one wants to claim them. Like, I don't know, but, um, the music in this is one of the, <laughs> It's one of the worst like like scores I've heard for a single segment of the Twilight Zone, including even the like the comedy bits in the or like the original series. Because as much as I didn't like the the those musics, they were at least performed well. I just don't think it fit the fit the tone of those episodes. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I understand it completely. I there are I'm not necessarily the most uh, like invested into scores and stuff like that. Um, as long as it doesn't throw the whole scene off, I won't notice it. And like, there's two, there's two minds that are going on. If it adds to it or it takes away from it, if it adds to it and it makes it, if it makes the scene that much more of a like complete thing, then I might notice it. If it's just there, then it just fades into the background. (laughs) You know who, you know know who you take a pot shots at? I just looked this up. Uh, Craig Safin. What's that? Craig Safin, the guy who did the music for uh, Nightmares, Last Starfighter. We've talked about him oh, multiple times. Oh, this dude times. came back. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's like we. So Craig <laughs> Safin is a man of multitudes of highs and lows. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I would love say lows, I, indeed. Well, because we've talked about some of his music already in this that actually worked pretty well. Um, but yeah, and I, I love the score to Last Starfighter. But dear Lord, Craig, come on. Like, this is not. Good. Um, yeah, that was not good at all. He also did the music for the uncle devil show, which fit because that was kind of chaotic. So there, like we were talking about how that worked because it was so weird here. Not so much. I'm sorry, Craig. I, you know, um, take a knee, like, you know, like it's, it's one of those things, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't have your best stuff today. You go out to the mound. You're like, you know what? You tried, you gave up, you know, I don't know how you gave up on eight hits. I don't know how you gave up eight hits on six pitches, but it's not your day. Like, like we got to go back. We'll right. bring, we'll bring in the reliever here. You know, we'll bring in the grateful dead. I don't know. That, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, just, whew, it, this, it is not good. It is not good at all, but yeah. Yeah. This is tub scum. This is not good. <laughs> Which uh, we talked about. Oh, I forget. It was a couple segments ago that the music was done by, was it Basil uh, Polidarius who did the score to Conan? Mm-hmm. Conan, Conan, uh, um, Conan, the late night host or Conan, the barbarian. So it's interesting that that segment was uh, scored. Uh, he, he did a different one than this one. You would, that would have been a funny, like kismet, right? If they would have brought him like, Hey, you guys work together. Do this little segment. And he'd been like, Oh yeah. What if I just made like the shittiest music possible? Like, Oh, okay, good. Well, we already have Craig safe in here. Don't do that. Basil. All right. So yeah. Um, not great. Not great at all. Um, whew. Anyway, we'll, you, again, whenever I play the Aidman intro, which I have questions about that too, um, you guys are going to hear some of this music and, and whew, it's nope. Uh, thumbs down automatic thumbs down. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's that. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> add more to that in, in a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But um, to continue on with our uh, cast here, uh, we got Martin Coe. I think most people would recognize this dude. Um, from other things and I'm about the list. Uh, of course he plays George Farrell or fellow Joe Farrell. Uh, yeah. Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, the sensei for, uh, uh, Cobra Kai in karate kid. And then the, the shows Cobra Kai, 
Um, so he's in most of those movies and that. He was also in Rambo, First Blood, and then uh, Death Race 2000 as well. Yeah, and The Last House on the Left, which I'll admit that's a film I've not seen. We've talked about Wes Craven multiple times in the series. It's one I need to get to. It's a messed but, up movie. I, well, I, I believe you. I have everything. It's probably the reason, one of the reasons why I think I'm good <laughs> not seeing it. But also, like at the time, yeah, he was John Kreese in Karate Kid. Um, 125 episodes of Cagney and Lacey. So if you if you would have if he would have picked like where where am I going to be best known from at the time you would have think it would have been Cagney and Lacey but there's been this renaissance with him because of Cobra Kai the series that's now on Netflix and it's just he's so like so good and so like sketchy in those movies in the series like he seems like he's probably like a really nice guy but every time you see him you're like I don't trust him I don't trust him I do not trust him but. Yeah, really? he's going to try to sweep the leg. I don't. I, yeah, he's going to try to sweep the leg. Yeah, he's going to try to steal the wife. You know, he's going to do all that stuff, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, but he has like this very um, distinct look that you. It's like almost in another world, he would have been in more things because he's not a bad actor. You know, I don't think he's bad. It's just, you know, it's like almost like it's just you know, he could have probably been like something a little bit more, you know, like, like Chuck Norris, Norris adjacent, that kind of like, look, you know, like maybe not, he doesn't have the same, like, you know, physical skill set Cause I mean, he's a sensei, right. But not, you know, maybe not Chuck Norris, but yeah, I, I, I think John Kreese is cool. And I'm glad that he's actually getting like a second act Be- because if, if people have not seen Cobra Kai, it's, it's so much fun. And actually um, it's smartly written for what it is, meaning that it doesn't, it never shies away from being a karate kid continuation where there's so many people that um add like they 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 take this like all valley karate stuff so seriously that if you took a step back be like why are these kids fighting each other in a mall food court it's like you don't even understand like it's <laughs> it, i i love the show it has no reason being as good as it is and he's really good at it yeah uh, and, and he's still acting obviously outside of uh, cobra kai as well like he's he has a bunch of credits he has 229 acting credits here like dude is making a paycheck <laughs> so but uh next year we got uh jeffrey jones uh not sure how much time we want to talk about this gentleman but he plays, uh, <laughs> terry why i didn't know I'm, I'm, i no no it's just um <laughs> another another one of those guys very recognizable i'm sorry I'm, I'm stealing your thunder i apologize like just one of those guys that like you know in the 80s like you 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 when you see jeffrey jones you know who he is right you may not know his name very like very um, very fun role on Ferris Bueller's Day Off as the principal, Beetlejuice, which I know you're going to bring up, um, Howard the Duck. He actually has a fun role in that, uh, and he actually has a prominent role in the Deadwood series and in the movie that came out a few years ago. But with all that being said, he's a piece of shit, and he's, and he's done some really shitty things, and you know it's it's really hard to separate um, the actor from like their real life shit that's going on so it, it, it's with this where it's like oh jeffrey jones uh jeffrey jones yeah he's he's scum um but yeah he he's in this and uh <laughs> he plays carl uh wilkerson yeah yeah wilkerson yeah um but yeah like you said uh you know howard the duck ferris bueller's day off uh beetlejuice is probably my favorite credit that he's ever been in um, he was also in Sleepy Hollow and um, Ravenous. So, he, I mean, he has a lot of decent oh, credits yeah. here. Uh, you know, yeah. like the cinematic masterpiece that is uh, The Pest. You know, <laughs> <laughs> John Leguizamo. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't get the Oscar that year. I don't, I've never seen it, but I don't know why I didn't get the Oscar. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I got a Razzie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he's one of those guys again. It's like he has, he has a certain presence and he has a certain look. That is like, it's again, like, I mean, you know, in the sense of like, it's, it's, it, it's not unusual to have him and Martin, like, you know, Martin Cove, uh, yeah, Martin Cove and the same thing where it's like, you know, these are very recognizable eighties, like character actors. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I mean, and then, you know, it's just, we can, we can still separate, you know, talking about this, but you know, I, I he's not somebody I want to celebrate cause we just, you know, like. Not only is he a piece of shit, he repeatedly kept trying to hide that it was a piece of shit, which is like, oh, you never atoned for what you did, and you kept trying to like hide it. 
okay, well then it shows over like the course of years you never learned, nor did you ever care, you know? So like, that's bad. Like if people want to go look into it, go look into it. Like it's, we're not going to, it, he's a piece of shit that, you know, how many times can I say yeah. that? Yeah. So, um, next after the piece of shit is Alan Overson or Oberon. Yeah. Um, she plays Sally, uh, five credits. Uh, one of them includes red Dawn and, I don't know really much to say about her. I don't know if you had any extra notes on her. Um, th- she would um, marry uh, John Millis later. So I think they met here. And then there's a brief bit in the beginning. Cause when she walks from the living room to the kitchen, there's a guy that kind of like, you know, harasses her for a second. That's the director. And it's like, here's the, here's the trivia. John Millis, a guest who sexually harasses Sally. I'm like, thanks, John. I'm glad that you put that in your, oh, your rep. yeah. <laughs> right. Like, cool. <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. It's all cool. Thank you. Um, so I don't know if they met on, on this set or whatever, but they ended up getting married later. And yeah, five credits. Red Dawn, like you said, which he also directed. Um, her acting here is um, wobbly. <laughs> we'll just say that. It's like, there's times where she's saying lines. I'm like, did you just go with the first take? Good enough. Let's go. All right. Nothing against her. I mean, she's been in one more segment of the Twilight Zone than I've been in. But dear Lord, some of the some of the delivery was bad. It was really bad. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit too. I've, <laughs> I've got some. I got my own takes on that yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, Ter- Terry's loaded for have- duck tonight, guys. I don't know if you know this or not. He's he's loaded. He's waiting for he's waiting for first dawn. For, waiting for the red dawn so that it gets in the eyes. The sunlight gets in the eyes of the ducks. He's ready. <laughs> he's ready. Right. You, you, yeah, usually I'm a little bit more reserved with my opinions. Today, it's uh the the yeah the filter is off. It's man. opening day for pot shots <laughs> on this segment. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, there is a highlight here. Um, I will bring up uh, the next actress here. It's uh, Molly Morgan. She plays Carrie. Um, lots of shows like uh, one of Paul's favorites, uh, The Big Bang Theory. Um, she was also in Dexter and Boy Meets World. Um, I don't know where she is in this this episode but this this girl is beautiful and she is my new crush um <laughs> i don't know where she is in this episode but i, I love her to death now so she's yeah <laughs> i mean well okay if she's in these like the things that you're mentioning later she might be like like the kid it might be you know like one of the two kids like there's a there's a boy and a girl so this might be one of her earlier credits um, so, but you mentioned the big bang theory. I know you're just doing that. Take the piss out of me. So I got a, well, here, I got it. I got it. Here's my rebuttal. That's my rebuttal for that. So, all right. She was also in uh, 12 episodes of alien nation, which that was a cool TV show. It was actually one of those ones that kind of worked, uh, really well as being a continuation of the movie. It's been forever since I've seen it, but I did dig it. So that's what I have for her. Okay. Yeah. So then, uh, moving on here, we have, Sean uh, Donahue, Donahue, yeah, Sean Donahue uh, plays Joe Jr. I believe this is the other child. Then, if you're, um, if that is um, the two children, I think I think that's uh, correct. Thirteen credits. Yeah, yeah so uh, thirteen credits. Uh, uh, episode of T.J. Hooker. Didn't really recognize anything else. That's bring it. Up. Um, uh, these are all minor uh, roles here, so I'm going to just kind of do rapid fire because we mm-hmm. have about six more. Um, so and Andrea Hall plays Beverly, 171 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Uh, Michael Nisman plays Ned, three credits. Wasn't really familiar with those. Um, Shelby uh, Billington plays Girl at Party. This was her only credit. Um, Frank McCray. Uh, Is that right? McCray. Uh, M- M- yeah, you're right. McCray. McCray. Yeah. McCray. Uh, he plays the sheriff. Um, he was in Lockup, which uh, it's a good uh, Sylvester Stallone film. Not a great movie, but I like it. Um, he was in Used Cars, which I love Used Cars. Um, great Kurt Russell comedy. Check it out. Uh, and he was, uh, yeah, that was like the, the big credits I had for oh, him. Oh, you're skipping over uh, the important no. parts. I So Used Cars, I'll admit, I, I have not seen I Need to Watch. So that's that's one of my um, cinema sins here that I need to get to. I mean, sorry. Dude, check that movie out. Yeah, I need fun. To, by um, cinema sins, I mean, it's like one of those, like, I need to get to not, I don't endorse the cinema sins channel because that's stupid. But yeah, he was also I, I in. I think Derek Graham is in that. What? Who was in it? I think Derek Graham is in that as well. Okay. So like to, to bring it back around. 
No, I knew, no. Okay, cool. I, but I do, I do need to see it. Um, I don't know why it's one of those ones that just skipped past me. You think I would have seen it by now? I, I might have seen parts of it, but I clearly I don't remember any of it. Uh, he was also in License to Kill, Rocky Two, um, The Wizard. You got it. Like I Wizard. just the Wizard. He um, was one of the friendly truckers that helped them get to Vegas, um, and also the truck he was driving. They were trying to hide it. It was the same truck that uh, Sylvester Stallone was driving and um, over the top. So there we go. Um, yeah, like he's just one of those guys, very recognizable, another character actor. Uh, but you know, every time you see him, you're just like, I like that guy. You know, I just I don't know. He just has that aura of like, if I'm in trouble, I'm going to run to Frank uh, Frank McRae because he's going to he's going to help me. You know, so. And then to kind of add to the other um, connection here, uh, he was also in Red uh, Red Dawn as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So we got uh, so next, yeah, two more, right? Or one more credit. Sorry. One more, yeah. So next and last, uh, Gary Hollis. Uh, he plays male guest, two episodes of Murder, She Wrote. And that's pretty much the only other things that I had. And I have uh, silk stockings because I think um, all the fog in here probably was a silk stockings episode. We just didn't realize it. Um, and then also Blue Thunder, the TV series. So, yeah, that's yeah, there we go. That's it. That's your cast. Um, that's people who did, did things. We have some pieces of shit and some not so pieces of shit. Um, let's just get into uh, opening day and let uh, Mr. Aidman take it away. The perfect crime is the one nobody realizes has been committed. Every day we commit a dozen perfect crimes in our mind and we never get punished because those crimes never happen. That's the way it is in the real world. But murder, like a bad meal, has a way of repeating, especially when the bloody stroke is struck in the twilight zone. Is is Aidman okay? Did he suffer a brain injury? I like. I just feel bad. Like I just feel bad for him because either he's saying this stuff, or they're writing things for him, or they're just letting him like freeform jazz his intros for the Twilight Zone. <laughs> like I'm beginning to wonder because it all sounds like a word salad, right? It's like it's so weird, and it's like he has a warm tone, and I like that he has a connection to the original series. But I'm like, what? What's it even mean? Not like I'm just. It confuses me. Like, it really, really confuses me. Like, it's one thing to be clever. It's another thing to be like, okay, great. No one gets it. Like, I, I guess I shouldn't blame him, but somebody approved that script. Like, I, I do not. His intros are, are, are a, um, they are more and more confusing as we go along. That's my own, my own personal opinion. Yeah, it's, they don't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, I'm not sure who approved uh the scripts for him but they did a poor job a piss poor job because it's not even insightful it's like it just leaves at least at least for me it left me very confused (laughs) yeah it's just like this it makes you feel like he dropped like all the script pages for all the episodes and they just put them out of order and he's like okay good enough you know whatever let's just do it you know and like you know, or whatever. It's like, oh, Charles, I'm sorry. You just fell down. Are you okay? He's like, I'm a good at the, the midnight stroke. I'm like, okay, just talk. Just talk. It's fine. You're good. Oh, okay, great. You know, it's just, I feel bad. Like, I just, like, because it's hard to not judge what we're looking at versus what was. And I'm not saying every Sterling intro was great because there were some stinkers there too. But it's like, this gets a little like it gets a little in the weeds, right? And you're like, okay, I don't really know what's okay. Thank you, great, like cool. And that music, you guys heard that? I'm going to play. Let's hear this. No, no, no. <laughs> like what? What? I don't know what that instrument is, but it's like a woodwind <laughs> instrument where you're just blowing over like uh, bamboo. That's what it sounds like the entire time. Ooh, it's like, this it's like is- yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's just like, like I don't know. What the hell are we doing? It feels like some shit you find like at a Christian bookstore that you'd be like, I need some tapes to meditate while I'm like, you know, I'm praying for my husband <laughs> to come back or some shit. I don't know. It's just like, just, I don't like him. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Sorry, Rough. my spouse. It could be Rough. any, it could be anybody leaving you. I'm not trying to imply that it's just, <laughs> you know, like, sorry, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just get it. Let's get into opening day. This is, um, <sighs> yeah, let's just do it. Uh, Terry, where are we at with this? Come on. I don't, I, I, yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily think we have to go like crazy with this, but I mean, basically what we get yeah. 
is this, I don't think this is ripcord worthy, but it's, there's not a lot of meat on the bones. I, I will say that there's some presentation that goes on halfway through. That's interesting. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, to, 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 to go off of that. Um, so we get a, a party and I believe we're, we are at Carl's house, right? This is Carl and uh, yeah, it's Carl Sally's, Sally's place. They're having a very eighties party where people are all dressed up and talking about business, 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 you know? So yeah, a bunch of yuppies are there talking about business and that and how much money they're making and how much they're trying to make. So on, uh, you know, typical cool eighties yuppie party. And, um, so we get uh, Carl saying to Sally uh, that he wanted another drink. So Sally goes over to get another drink. And while she's in the kitchen area, all of a sudden we get Joe. Joe walks in and we can see that Joe is like a little friendly with Sally. But it's reciprocal because like she embraces him as well. And, you know, there is a little bit of like, OK, well, this has been going on for a minute. And all of a sudden, it goes directly into soap opera territory in the way that the the dialogue happens, which it feels so, um, like, it, it feels very uh, rigid. Yeah, well, it's heavy-handed. That's the best way I can put it. it, it it's heavy-handed where it's like, oh, are you going to do the thing tomorrow? He's like, I don't know if I could do the thing tomorrow. She's like, but you better do the thing tomorrow because... I, you know, my, my husband, Carl is just a machine and, you know, a piece of shit. And he's like, well, I understand he's a piece of shit. And he's like, but you know, also like, um, you know, I don't know if I could kill him tomorrow because, you know, I did teach him golf. <laughs> like, okay. Like, you know, we bonded over, you know, me working at this club, you know, but like, but Joe's, Joe's conflicted a little bit because he's like, I don't know if I could just kill this guy. And then she's like, but you know, if you do, you could have all of this. And he's like, what poorly acted woman. He's like, she's like, yes, we should do that. You know, whatever. And then we get some ass hat that walks <laughs> into the kitchen too. Like, what are you guys plotting in here? And then walks immediately out. <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever. Why did we need that dude to walk in? I, I almost we played that. We could have saved 10 seconds. Yeah, I almost played that for the very end of the episode spoiler, but I found something else. But yeah, I was just like, what are you two plotting? And then I like that Joe picks up the one bottle of liquor, starts reading it. Like like he's like on the toilet and being like, I don't know what's on it. What's the AP feeling? This is pretty important. Like, you is know? this gluten-free? I'm is not gluten- sure. Yeah, is this like- gluten- <laughs> yeah. Are these schnapps gluten-free? I need to figure this out. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Like, yeah. I, whatever. It's a, I, I, I will. T- <laughs> I will say this right off the cuff, dude. There is a lot that could have been trimmed out of this. A yes. Lot. We probably could have saved at least at least five minutes. And we could have added five you more know? minutes. The Uncle Devil show and wondered how much worse that could have gotten. You know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. That would have been awesome. <laughs> give us, give us more Uncle Devil. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, but I want him but, to be um, now. I want Uncle Devil to be at this this eighties party, walking around, just trying to get people to do shit. That's what I want him to do. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, now like, make make the big wish. Make the big wish. Um, yeah, like um, go make a drink for the the wish puppet. You know, he likes you know this two fingers of scotch. You know, whatever. Anyway, so um, <laughs> yeah, here have a box of BLs of bits. Just, we'll just figure it out. It's fine. Um, you know, uh, so no, so whenever um, they go back out, um, uh, she's like, oh. Hey, um, you know, Joe's here and, you know, he shows up late. And then they're, they're, this is important though, because, uh, Carl's like, Hey Joe, like, welcome for coming over here. And they're like, talk for a second. He's like, Hey, do you want to drink? He's like, you know, I don't drink. Right. And then there's this whole setup where talking about like, look at him. He just works at this country club or whatever. Not a care in the world. Not like you, Mr. Important businessman, you know, Carl. And then talking to Joe, sorry, Joe's the one that's, you know, working at the club. And, um, He's like luckiest guy in the world, and then uh, what was it? Um, uh, what's her name? Sally was like, well, maybe you'll get you'll you'll be lucky tomorrow talking to uh, Carl, and that's where they start talking about opening day, which we now learn is about duck season and not baseball bullshit. Anyway, so um, as they're figuring out their plans about like going in the morning to go before the sounding of the horn, um, you know, uh, Carl Carl's like, yeah, this maybe a baby, this will be my lucky day, and they agreed to meet at four thirty in the morning. Carl walks away and then immediately Joe turns and grabs like a martini or something and just downs it, which I think that's an important thing to show that his resolve, like he's, he's having conflicts and I think that's okay. I think it's important to show that he's like, you know, I don't drink except right now when you're not looking at me because I'm about to kill you tomorrow. I thought that was at least a nice character beat for what this is. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, um, like, in the fact that, like, especially explaining it to Sally, like, this is a buddy of his. Like, he's known this dude for a while. It's not just a business partner. Partner, it's this guy is actually his friend. So, I mean, I don't know if we necessarily have gotten enough backstory for Sally and uh, Joe's behavior and like how long this uh, affair has been going on. Or how much of a piece of shit that Carl is supposed to be outside of being the actor uh, of <laughs> Jeffrey Jones here. <laughs> I like that. I like but, that. We're uh, like, Carl's a bad guy, but not as bad as Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Suck, Jeffrey Jones. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, it just, it, it, it kind of bothers me because I don't think that we gave enough of a motive this but well, we don't we don't see nonetheless we don't see carl being like an absolute asshole other than when you talked about the drink earlier he said something about like maybe you should go prepare another drink i think he was talking to her and he's like put orange juice in it this time meaning you're kind of getting out of control so i think yeah or, or you know like basically so there's a little bit of that like ah, you know whatever but we don't see him being like well her her top is open too like did you notice that like um what is this chick just walking around her place with her top open i didn't i didn't notice honestly that's funny that you call it because like that that would also set the stage right so that's more yeah like but we don't get him we don't get like i'm not saying that they're not a bad fit i'm not saying that they're a bad couple they're they're not like you know Cause you know, like what's one party, right? Like what's one moment? Like people, you you never know what's going on behind closed doors, but we never get the moment of him being like an absolute monster. Right. And it's like, and you're right. Like, um, which I mean, you know, in some instances you could have the ambiguity about like the actions going on, but with this being like, you said soap opera, like you need to have that dramatic beat of him being like, don't you ever talk to, to, to Joe like that? Like whatever. Cause you know, you're just mine or, I don't know. Like you need a little bit more, um, you need a little bit more spice here to justify the actions other than, you know, um, you know, Joe being like, Oh, this hot lady that can't act, you know, maybe, you know, I can have that now. If I kill this guy, if I kill this weirdo, you're right. That doesn't, doesn't set well. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, we don't get, enough story for me to feel that Joe needs to do anything or really that Sally's in the right here. Yeah. I, whatever. I mean, you shouldn't be murdering anybody in the first place, but nonetheless, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at least give me a little something, something to justify, you know, like versus just like, I don't know. It's Thursday. Good yeah. Enough. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, moving, moving on. Like it's yeah. easier to just kill this mofo than to file the paperwork. I don't yeah. know. But, so, so yeah, like, um, so we get to the Aidman intro, which is terrible. And, you know, we got it, you know, all right. So we get that, we get all that, that no one likes. <laughs> Woodwind. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, where'd <laughs> like, you get that? Like, you, you got, you got gully or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> where'd you get that from? The world's shittiest tree. That's where we got that from. I don't know what that, what that would be. Um, just like, yeah, just, just, can we just have like some garbage woodwind music here? Uh, is them fear on the pamphlet not available for this? All right. So <laughs> <laughs> do you remember all the TV ads for that? Do you remember all the late night TV ads for Zam fear? Like, was he not available? I, do you know what I'm talking about? Are you about talking or no? about the guitarist? No, Zam Fear, <laughs> the pamphlutist. I mean, I'm a little older than you. Anyway, that's a that's a deep cut. But um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to look this up. I I'm probably did see this, but I uh, uh, whatever. We'll, anyway. we'll talk off, off yeah, mic. Off mic, it. right? So so we get him pick we get um Joe picking up Carl at like 4 30 in the morning, and then like we see Joe looking up and seeing like uh, Sally kissing Carl, like goodbye, and then you know, um whatever it was, the whole thing is like, Oh, so this is Don. That's supposed to be a joke. I don't know. But then can here, here, um, here's my whole thing. Did we go to one of the shittiest soundstage shots I've ever seen in anything <laughs> ever made? Dude, it looks so bad. Like, come on guys. Like it made me so I know frustrated. Got, like budget it, restrictions here. But can we at least go to an actual river? Like seriously? Oh my God. Like we did, we did the burning man and like, you know, they went to like, they went to an actual pond. Like, I don't know. Like how, like, I don't mind. Like, I mean, if you're trying to do like the dawn of the sky or whatever, fine. I get that. You, you could do some location shooting, you know? And I know that they, there was some, like there was a lot of money spent on this first few episodes, but it's like, it is, it is laughable how bad the soundstage is. 
right? I just, you know, like it's bad. It is so bad. And so like, it's just like, okay, I guess we got to go in this like soundstage with this book. It's like, it's like an SNL skit is really like where we're at with that. Right. And and those even are better than this. And, and, And again, the series isn't served well, knowing that it was shot on film and then transferred to video. And that's what we see now. It makes me wonder, and I know it's probably lost to the ages. If there would be like a high fidelity scan of the film negative, if that would play better, like maybe, but this is so bad. It's so bad, but we get, um, we get, uh, we get, uh, Joe and Carl in this boat and like this marsh and like, like, you know, we got the tall grass, right. Going through all this. And then we get, uh, we get Carl throwing ducks out and I'm just like, that's not going to be your first like bad encounter with the duck. I'll put that in my notes there. Just want you to appreciate that, Terry. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so then, um, so before that all happens, Carl admits before the horn sounds, he's like, you know, Joe, you might be the only friend I have. So then, so then Joe's sitting there, he's just like, okay, whatever what's going on. So they load their guns, right? They load their guns, the horn sounds, and then Carl starts taking pot shots. And I like that, like, I, it all makes sense logically, like why Joe would do what he did, but it's like, you're loading your gun and you club him out of the boat. <laughs> Like there's no, like it would be harder to justify the police of like, Oh, he drowned because of these gunshots. I get it. But like you see him just loading this gun and then he's like, I'm going to hit him with this gun. I'm like, that's not how guns work anyway. So like, I thought that, I thought it was funny. It was like, you know, it was like Chekhov's like shotgun, but then he just uses a club. I'm like, I didn't see that coming. I really didn't. Right. So we get, and then fast forward like 15 years later, uh, Dick Cheney. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> no shit right yeah like yeah, yeah like if yeah. you're gonna take somebody out yeah uh dick yeah cheney. dick cheney's out there know. he's just like oh hi friend <laughs> that's not it that's not the button here <laughs> with dick cheney out there just you know just pot shotting people whatever you're right you're right so uh so joe clubs carl and gets him in the water and then here i'll say this like this gets very like ec comics kind of moment like this gets like tales from like uh the crypt kind of moment where Joe thinks yeah. that like Carl's down and then Carl like reaches back up again. Like, like that's like, it's, it's the cinematography is kind of, kind of junk, but that's that whole thing where Joe thinks it's over, but it's not. So that works. I'm saying in terms of like, Oh, this could have been something like, but it, it like in terms of hindsight, it's an effective moment, but it doesn't play well. Like, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, oh, that could have been something like you could have spent way more time showing like how hard it is to actually kill somebody versus like, you know, oh, all right, I guess we're done now. Yeah. And but the entire time I was analyzing it from a different perspective, um, I, I watch a lot of like uh, true crime stuff. You know, I it's me being the total white girl here. I love true crime. Like, uh <laughs> shows and podcasts and that there's so much trauma to this body now like it, it there's no way that you could argue that uh carl just accidentally fell over the side of a boat and what arguably is a very uh like uh what do you call it um like th- no there's a gun butt to the like back the, of his the, head the there- depth the depth of the water is like is there's not much water there like well, that's true too, but also there's going to be a large bruise on the back of his head. There's going to be a lump, right, yeah. from a gun butt. And you're going to be like, oh, how did he die? He must have drowned because of this bruise. You know, like, like, yeah. Like, like the notion that. In the perfect shape of, a, a, of yeah. a, a, you know, the butt of a gun. Yeah, they're like, this is a fully loaded duck gun. Like, why, why'd that happen? Anyway, no. Um, so, um, uh, he should he should sweep the leg and just took him off the boat. We know that should have been what happened. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I put it here, it's like he, uh, you know, he 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 struck first, he struck hard, and he showed no mercy. Uh, so, um, no, but it's like there's the bit here where it's like he's talking to the cop later. He's like, oh, he just had so much stuff on him. He just sank. It's like, well. That's fair. I mean, that's like, you know, like you keep like, cause there's the whole, like the hip waders and everything. Like, like, you know, people have drowned in, 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 in smaller amounts of water. So I will say that, but the trauma, like it isn't like, oh, he drowned and then struck his head on a rock or like, oh, like it even, it would have been better for Joe to be like, oh, there was a rogue duck that got mad at him and attacked him and knocked him off the boat. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, 
I like that that this happens and then the, the, the police are like, oh, we got his body. We pulled him out. And it's like, what happened? And then Joe's like, I don't know. He just sank. And it's like, where's your gun at? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. Like, oh, okay. So you're saying that like the weapon you reached, you're like, I reached out with my gun and he didn't grab it. It's like weird that you're, you don't have your weapon on you anymore. And you're like, I don't know. It's out there. And he's like, well, if we'll find it, we'll let you know. And he's like, you know what? I don't need it. Just just leave it there. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't need, I I'm good. And they're like, we'll let you know. And then the next scene immediately after that, they find his gun. <laughs> and just, give, just give it to him. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like, come, come on. Yeah. Like that's not realistic at all. Like there's so much bruising to this body. They would have to hold it for evidence. They would have to. Well, because well, the investigation, whatever, regardless know. of what happened would have taken longer than the afternoon, you know, like, so, right. so that, so then we get Joe, to, we get Joe to pay phone, which I write here. I wrote my notes here. Cause that's whenever um the sheriff, uh, Frank McCray shows back up with the gun to hand it to him. Uh, I think Joe was calling the fog machine company. He was like, Hey, I need, <laughs> I need all of the fog machines right now. Like why? It's like, well, it's going to get weird here in the next 10 minutes. They're like, well, can we, can we, no, 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 no. Right now. Stat. And it's like, okay. So. It's like this fog bankroll. It's like mist, right? It's like, and in hindsight, I understand that it's supposed to um, resemble the morning mist, like out in the marsh. And that, like, mm. that's okay. Like, it's not bad. It's not a bad idea because especially later when we get to the the party, which we'll get to in a second, that's, it's effective. It's just everything else isn't, you know, but I like, I like, there's kind of a dreamlike quality to that, that I'm, I'm not against. But in this first shot, it's just like, like everything is so much where it's like you expect like this truck that is like, you know, 18 foot tall to drive through with the exhaust. Like, it's like how much, how much like fog and smoke is going through the scene. And then, then the, the, the one, uh, the cops like, Oh, I found your gun. Here you go. Here's your evidence. Have a good day. And then, you know, and then Joe leaves. You're like, well, that was easy. <laughs> you know, like whatever. Right. But we're, but we now know that, in hindsight that this is the beginning of something different. So then Joe goes back to, um, uh, was, uh, what's her name? Um, it's, uh, Sally. Yeah. What's, what's her name? Um, the, the wife, it's Sally, Sally. Sally. She's such a memorable character. I had to remember her name. So she, he goes back to her place. Right. (laughs) Right. And it's like, and then as he's walking in, as Joe's walking in the fog, like the mist is falling in with him and he sits down and we didn't even talk about, there's a photo, a reference photo of her when she's pregnant the first time we see it, it's the very beginning of the episode. It's, it's Carl and her. And now we see it's Joe and her. And then, um, these two kids come running in and start talking to him. Like, 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 Oh dad, this, this, and this credit to him. The look on his face of like, I didn't want these kids is very relatable. Like that's like, I agree <laughs> with that completely. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is a waking nightmare. Like, Oh no, <laughs> what happened? Oh, Oh, I just killed a friend of mine. I have kids now. That's way worse. <laughs> <laughs> whatever but like <laughs> <laughs> to add substance we do not have children uh yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah that would that would have been that's actually the, the worst part of it that was the, that's the part that terrified me and i'm like no no like i don't want to go out duck hunting the one day to find out i have two kids no i'm just uh, whatever anyway <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, uh, like yeah. let's bring my friend back. I, if, yeah, just I, re- I regret everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so then um, that happens, and then he ends up in the kitchen with Sally and the two kids, and he's trying to talk to her. He's like, "Did the sheriff call?" And she's like, "Why?" And then she's like, "Hey, you know, you're in your like, you know, like you need to get dressed up. We're going to have a party tonight." And then he like he's starting to put it together. Like, oh shit, this is my life now, and my life is that I've got everything I wanted. Right. And so, um, and then as this is happening to the effect of the episode, and again, I, lowercase E, um, this mist is starting to permeate everything like this morning fog, like every scene. And if you want, like in hindsight, it's like, Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't blind to it the first time, but it does work its way into where you're like, something's off here, which of course it would be because we know that Joe's now taking the place of Carl, but like, you know, like him, like getting dressed up and looking like walking closet with everything. And there's this watch that he grabs for whatever goddamn reason that pay, like it kind of pays off later. I don't know. 
But then we get that bit where he's at this party where he's basically the, playing the role of Carl and he's having talks about business. But the house where they're having this party is like, it's like, it's not lit the same. It's like, it's almost like a stage play where it's like dark and everybody's talking and all this, this fog's rolling in. And that's kind of effective. And all the voices are distorted, which we played some of the beginning here. Um, it played better the second time around. I'm not saying it's great, but I appreciate it. Yeah, it, it definitely is uh, supposed to like uh, kind of like give you the idea that maybe something's amiss here. Maybe uh, Joe's life isn't quite what he was hoping for. And I, I think that's an interesting way to take this. I'm not sure why Joe doesn't see all the like fog. Like, is Cheech and Chong just like <laughs> up in there? Like, just like. <laughs> They have like, they have their entire they, yeah like, they have the entire van noticing this yeah what was it oh what was it uh Cheech and Chong what was it um oh, was it Nice Dreams or Nice like, Dreams yeah where they had the yeah. van made of marijuana <laughs> that's them outside like <laughs> dude like there is so much yeah. smoke it's like come on yeah. dude like I, you like you're not putting two two together here now like there's nothing off about this at all it's like well I he, think he's just accepting it. But I think he's, I think he is like, suspicious. That's the thing. I think he's suspicious because the bit where he's talking, the one guy's like, what should I do about this, about business stuff? He's like, just shut up, whatever. It's like, I think he understands like something's not right here. And then especially later, whenever we see Carl uh, show up in this, it's it's a turnabout of the, the beginning of the, of the, of the segment where like we got Sally talking to Carl and that's like the, like the next day they're going to go duck hunting and blah, 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 blah. Same thing, same thing, same thing. Right. Uh, so he's starting to be like, yeah. oh, like this is like, I know what's up because I know you're cheating on me with him because I was the cheater or the cheaty. I don't know how that works out. But anyway, so then we get like, there's a sequence later where they're in the bedroom and it's actually kind of a cool shot to the credit of the episode where we have her in the background. It's it's out of focus and she's walking out of the bathroom wearing like a nightgown um, and it's like a green light. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's, she had like the, the greatest like fluoride toothpaste ever or whatever. It's like, brrr, like it's this big green, <laughs> like, you know, like fluoride, or like green light coming out. Right. Um, but it's like the fog coming out of that too. It's kind of a cool looking shot. Like I'm like, I, I can't, I I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. And we have, we have Joe being suspicious. He's like, Oh, you're just setting me up to get killed tomorrow. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like you've been cheating me with this guy. And she's like, all this stuff. It's like, you know, he, he understands what's going on, but then, but then like Joe also shows that he's a piece of shit. Well, one, we should know because he was cheating on, you know, he was being like part of an affair for a number like years or whatever. We didn't know. Um, pretty sure he rapes her at that time. Did you pick up on that? That's bad news. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, dude, that was like real bad. I was like, by bad news, I'm not trying to spend I'm like, like, yeah, he's like, I've been waiting for the night. I could just have you on to myself. I'm like, Oh, all right, let's just cut away from the rape. Like, dear Lord, like, it's just, that was, like, nobody's good here. Which we should understand that Joe wasn't good to begin with, but even worse, right? So, next morning, he goes out, makes some kind of comment about, like, this is morning, which mirrors the original part. So, he and Carl out on the boat, and just, I still don't understand exactly what happened. Um, so, um Carl's looking, so Joe stands up to take, like, he he stands up ready to, like, clock Carl because Carl's behind him, right? Uh, and then Carl's looking another way, and so Joe's getting ready to club him before the sound goes off. But then the horn, uh, was it the horn goes off um, for, like, the opening day of the duck season, right? And then before Joe can club Carl with the rifle, his watch disappears, and he freaks out, and it falls off the boat. Is that what happened? I think that's what happened, right? Oh, it's something like that because the dude is definitely in the water. So. Well, no, because the watch. I'm sorry, uh, the watch disappears, and then Carl fires his gun as the as the horn sounds, and the combination of the two causes Joe to fall off the boat, which makes zero sense. It's yeah, so stupid. So he loses his balance. He he ends up in the water, and he's he's splashing around, getting crazy, and everything, and we get. Carl putting his rifle out to perhaps push him down, but he then starts to say, grab a hold of the gun, grab a hold of the gun. But we hear Joe saying, don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, then like, I don't, 
like again, what is the depth of this water? Because <laughs> dude drowns. Yep. Dude, dude just straight up drowns. Like. And then, and then when the cops are investigating, because we get now we get Joe dead now, and Carl's like, I don't know, like I just I tried, and then it's like it's like you know the whole thing they're like, okay, well we understand, sir, you know, have a good day, <laughs> whatever. And so then he goes back home, and Sal is expecting Joe, and then whenever the, like the door opens, he's like, Joe, I mean Carl, I mean husband, not a fair man, you know, whatever. And Carl Carl explains that. um Joe is now dead because he fell off the, the, the boat and his hip waders filled up and he sank. And that's it. And he's really sad about it. And Sally seems like, she's like, well, here's the line. She's like, I'm glad it wasn't you. <laughs> like, dear Lord. And then you see her kind of looking at the camera and I wrote my notes here. Sally was not glad. Like, <laughs> so her her quest to uh, to murder her husband did not go to plan and so her husband's now alive. Uh, reality has now reset itself, and Joe is now gone. And that's your story. That that's your opening day. Just what? What? Really? Okay. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah, I was confused. I was very confused. I'm not sure what they were trying to do here. I didn't know if it was like a weird like uh, cycling. Like now Carl is husband and then all of a sudden joe's gonna come back and it's just gonna keep on going through that i didn't know what the hell we were doing here yeah. like i i think i think this was a very poorly written uh storyline yeah it, it's it's a shitty version it's i'm gonna call this an occurrence of duck creek bridge that's what i'm gonna call it that, that doesn't make sense no um yeah. <laughs> uh no it's bad it's just not <laughs> like this whole thing you could have had like you know oh you've now you got what you wanted um you be careful what you wish for. And then like, and then it cycles back, but we, it just, we didn't, I don't know. Like none of, none of this was really good. Um, yeah, it was kind of, kind of not great. Um, so yeah, like I, the music was terrible. Um, the soundstage was terrible. The performances weren't bad for what they were other than Sally. She is just, you know, like, how much of an actor am I? I get it. How much of a performer am I? So like, who knows how bad I would have been with all this, but like, she's not great and not convincing. And, and to me, it's like, like you need to see her being manipulative and like, because she's trying like on both sides of this, it's her manipulating Joe to kill Carl and then eventually manipulating Carl to kill Joe. I don't get that at all from any of this. So not great. Not great at all. No, not good. Um, didn't like this episode. Didn't really understand what it was trying to do. Um, if, if the uh, if this is a PSA, uh, yeah, sure. Don't kill your friends and don't be a cheater. Yeah, Thanks. there you go. That's a two thing. <laughs> Bang. There you go. All right. So, and also, I don't know if we necessarily needed that, but I don't know where else this was going. Yeah, and also, I, yeah, that's so bad. And I have some trivia here, but also, don't do this. All right, so don't do that. So here's some trivia. <laughs> Uh, what I did find is that in his introduction to the new stories from the Twilight Zone series, executive story consultant Alan Brennert, who he's, had, he's he's greenlit some questionable stories in terms of quality, uh, said that he tried to get opening day killed about 12 times. But every time I thought I'd finally driven a stake through its heart, the damn thing would rear its, uh, up from the dead again. So at least <laughs> at least he's like, I tried everybody. I have no idea why this showed up. I want to believe it's one of those things. It's like it just kind of kept working its way through process. And and everybody thought somebody else would kill it. <laughs> and eventually it got made. They're like, who, who greenlit that? And, and no one's going to say yes to it. <laughs> like, I feel like it's one of those ones where it's like, I don't know. I thought you did that. No, I thought you did it. And it's like, and no one knows how it got made. That's like, that's. That'd be way funnier to me than, than anything else. Well, I, I mean, it makes me question, like, while something like this gets made, and poorly, obviously, and over, like, dude, how long this episode is, it doesn't need to be this long. Like, w there is so much padding in here, mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. But how many uh, stories got left on the pile? Like, That's just fair. died and went off to script heaven. Like, yeah, I just, come you, on. you could have, you could have done this. I think that, it, that there's something here. And with the idea of whenever you get like, I like the idea of the rolling fog coming in and it's like, there, there's some interesting ideas here. It's just, um, you know, it's almost, what was it? Um, Oh shit. What was the one we saw? It was towards the end of season five, the original series where the guy was, uh, 
I uh, went to the mountains to find the song, right? That one. Um, oh yeah. Um, um, damn. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like it, but no, um, but like it was that, that's almost the same thing, right? It's almost the same. Uh, it, it's the same thing where it's like, you know, there's a loop there that we find out later and it wasn't handled well. Um, and it, where is it here? It was one of the, it was the last produced episode. It was, um, I'm going to look it up right now. We're almost there. Um, come wander with me. Well, that was the name of the segment. Good. Yeah. But, but you, no, I mean, yes, I agree with you, but I'm saying like, not dissimilar. You know what I mean? Like there, there's bones here. It just, <laughs> Not that this needs to be remade, because please do not. I don't. I don't need to deal with this ever again. But there was something here. It just. It does nothing. It just didn't connect right. And then, um, like, it is what it is. It just. It just kind of. It fell on its keys. Like there's just nothing much else I can say about that. So, um, any other things before we get to the twist? Ah, dude, I don't have anything else. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's rate that twist. Uh, twist rating, as usual, is one through five, one being we saw from a mile away and five being mind-blowing. Um, just because I had, I mean, this this is not talking about the episode because I don't think the segment was very good. But, like, where it was going, I just, I'm going to give it a three because it because I had no idea where it was going. That's all. Like, I just, I really didn't know where it was going. I'm, that's, that is a very um, a petulant three I'm giving it. I'm going to have to give it a one. I just, I don't know. Like I, I kind of saw it coming. Uh, and then the outcome towards the end, I was like, that was, I could see that from a mile away because it was just like a weird time loop t- thing where it's like trading off. You killed this guy, but now he's going to kill you mm-hmm. sort of, I don't know. Uh, maybe one point, 1.5. <laughs> <laughs> 1.3 repeating. No, I no. no. <laughs> I I agree with you completely. I just blah. All right. So, all right. Yeah, that's going to do it for our discussion about opening day. Um I I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion. I I I I no matter no matter how we feel and I know this I say this multiple times, but I got to reiterate it. No matter how we ultimately feel about the segment A, I never regret watching it because I, you know, I'm a completist and also this is the journey we've decided to do. And B, I always enjoy the conversation with Terry. So like, and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation as well, as much as we, you know, may not agree, like, sorry, not agree. We may not like the thing that we saw. We will always appreciate that we put the time into watching and we appreciate your guys' time listening. So that, that's important to me. So I want to point that out. And then, so also... Um, you guys can find us on uh, Facebook, uh, at strange highways, where I'm posting weird images and things. Um, right now I'm posting some wish puppets and things. And I, uh, sent Terry a, a birthday wish puppet. Um, I hope he got all his birthday wishes there. Uh, so everybody knows that he recently, uh, you know, celebrated his birthday. He's, he, I hope he had the best super sweet 16 party ever. Um, so I just want to say, you know, hope, hope you got everything you wanted. Uh, you guys can find us. Uh, like you can email us directly at uh, strangehighways at gmail. Sorry, strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. And uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. And Terry, how can people find us otherwise? We are on Instagram, people. Get the memo. <laughs> Start liking. Start following. Um, we haven't had a whole lot of activity on there. It might be just people don't like uh, cool things. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that all works. <laughs> Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry you don't like cool shit, but you should check it out. No, um, no, no, go check it out. And then again, 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 I always say that if you enjoy the conversation, if you enjoy this, the more the merrier. They're like, and I always reiterate this too. There's so many watch along podcasts now. So you're thank you. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Like not your thank you. That doesn't make sense. You're welcome, everybody. We were doing this before it was cool. Um, but yeah, if you enjoy this watch along uh, podcast and you want other people, you're like, hey, you should check this out. It's not true crime. Um, I mean, th- there was a murder that happened this episode and it was the script that, and so we investigated that. <laughs> <laughs> it was my soul. That's what it was. <laughs> yes. Right. Straight up. The, the, the musical score was murdered and left for dead in a back alley. So, all right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. But if you enjoy the conversation and, and as much as we do, I, cause I do, I enjoy this. And Terry enjoys this, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Recommend it. It'd be greatly appreciated. So, yeah, that's going to do it for our discussion about opening day. And let's talk about what we're doing next.
And now, Mr. Serling. Uh, we're moving on to episode 11 of the 80s uh, Twilight Zone revival. It's going to be uh, uh, season one, episode 11, segment A, The Beacon, which I'm, I'm surprised they didn't write as The Bacon. So I have no idea what's going on there, but I'm hoping it's delicious when fried. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but whatever it is, knock on, knock on wood, um, it has to be better than what we saw, right? So... Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. And in the meantime, um, like Terry said, um, don't kill your friends. And also, I don't know, man, 4.30 in the morning to get up and shoot stuff is way too early. I think I think that's fair. And have a better soundtrack to your life, man. Guys eat. Ten. Fifteen. You didn't, you ate the whole bag.